<clears throat> and thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them who do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? What thinkest thou, O brethren, when thou hearest this? I'm very glad you laughed. <laughs> this is the family Bible. And when you hear that, seriously, what did you think? Did you think, wow? I'm glad you thought, wow. Or did you think, wow, that is very, very old-fashioned. How old-fashioned is that? Because it is old-fashioned. That is not just the King James Bible, but the old King James Bible. Anyway, why I did all that and decided to read from that in such, such funny English terms is that I think sometimes, today let, let me just say that we are talking on, let's looking at this topic of patience, patience. And sometimes I think maybe there's some things that we deal with when we, when we read God's word and we hear preachers or whatever where, where we think that maybe those things are old-fashioned. They're topics that I think we warm to. They're topics that we, that we see as so part of what we, we do in, in, this, in, in this city and in 2023, and we can associate with those things. Maybe patience is not one of those. Maybe it's old-fashioned. Maybe you sit here and you think, yeah, I know about patience. I, I know about patience. I think if I had to ask you and ask myself, do I think that patience is important? You'd probably say, yeah, no, no I, th I think patience is, is important. But wait until it's tested. Wait until that big white car, you know that big one with all the people in it. That big white one and others that, that whizzes by you every morning, that always cuts in front of you. Then do you always, and I always, show patience. When it's tested, do I show patience? Do we show patience? Is it important that we show patience? Or is it an old-fashioned concept? Where everything is high speed, eh? high pace world, everything's instant coffee and whatever else, and information that we need just on our phones. Everything is, let's make it happen. Is patience maybe not something that the world celebrates? So this morning when I prepared, not this morning, luckily it was a bit before this morning that I prepared, <laughs> um, I found 45, I think, references to patience. And patiently. The word is full of this teaching of patience. It is relevant to our time. Maybe it's even more relevant than we think because people don't have it today and they don't show it today. Right in the beginning, you know, Job was talked about as, 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 as someone with patience right in the Old Testament. And right in the end, even in, 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 in Revelation, there's so many references, so many references to being patient. John says in, uh, in, Re in Revelation 1.9, he says, I, John, he's introducing himself, the, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, in Christ. Patient endurance are ours in Jesus. Okay? That's what we get. That's what part of the kingdom is. Patience. Patient endurance. And so let's look at that this morning. Let's... May I ask God to, to, to open your hearts and just, just consider the importance or not of this thing of patience. It's easy to, 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 
to think maybe of love. And, and, and Glendon preached so wonderfully last week on love. Because we know God is love. And so, we, and so we're easily able to say, God has put love in my heart. And so I know and understand that I accept that, that, that loving people is important. But we know that one of the definitions of love is patience. Love, what is love? It says love is patient. Love is kind. It's, the, it's one of the ways in which we can love is to be patient. So let's get into some detail or some, some, some more meat on that. That's as by way of introduction. Let's look at God's patience, first of all, from, from, yes, from God's patience. Is this part of God's character, this thing of patience? And then we'll move on to where, where that sits in our walk with God, in our own lives. The reference is to 1 Timothy 1.15. And it says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, Paul says. But for that very reason, to save sinners in other words, but for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. God is a God of deep patience, unlimited patience. And in a nutshell, why does God have patience? In this scripture, Paul is, 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 is reminding his listeners and he's reminding himself that, that if it wasn't for God's patience, Paul would not have been saved. He says, I was, I was the worst. I was persecuting the church. I was, I was trying to destroy the ways of, of, of the Lord. But because of God's patience, Shown to me a sinner. I am who I am today, Paul says. And we know who Paul is. One of the heroes of our faith. But without God's patience, he would not have been there. And so I can ask, I certainly can look back on my life and understand this and what it means to my life. So, so vividly. But ask yourselves. Would you... Be where you are if it was not for God's patience. Would you be saved even? There's a wonderful scripture we sang about it this morning. Where one of the songs we sang was from Psalm, Psalm 103. Where it tells us something else about God. It says, God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. He doesn't do that. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. But he's compassionate and gracious and he's slow to love. I'm oh, sorry, slow to anger and abounding in love, quick to love. And then it goes on to say he has compassion on us because he knows how we are formed. And he knows that we are dust, it says in that 103. So we should and could quite well be the, the, the subjects of God's wrath. Why would God need to entertain our, our slackness and our, and our waywardness and our, our reluctance to lay hold of him and, and how easily we're influenced by others and how quickly we forget what we've learned from him and how ungracious we are because of his love for us. He would be right to treat us according to our sins and our iniquities, but he doesn't. He's a God of unlimited patience with us. Isn't that absolutely stunning? I remember, just a short, share a short thing of my own life, and I remember the patience of my wife, Lainey, but I also remember the patience of God in all of that. 
how I met Lainey at Varsity, and I was a long way from God. I gave my life to God in my second year, and I, and I was a long way from God. Did a lot of things that, as any other young man would do, that were absolutely ungodly. And every single Sunday, Lainey started inviting me to church, and I went, mostly because I wanted to be with her. But I went to church, and I thought what they did at church was weird. And Lainey would sit with me every single Sunday after those meetings, and she would just talk to me about her faith, and I'd ask her questions. And we'd always end up with saying, oh, okay, I hear that, but it doesn't work for me. And you know that at times Lainey would cry. She, she, would, I would, she would cry because I didn't grasp and understand the, what, what was so important to her. Imagine God's patience with me because she only met me when I was 18 or 19. Was, that's, that's, that's how long ago it was. But God knew me from when I was born. And even before I gave my life to him, I believe God's patience was over me. God's patience is not to be, to be, to be, to be rejected by those who are in him. Thank you, Lord, for your patience should be our response. And you might say, but so, so for sinners, that's, that is so, that, they, that God's, God's patience is so that we could come to Christ. So true. But what about you and I now who are in Christ? who have now made the decision to follow him. And although we are born again, we were discussing, had a meeting yesterday, myself and Lawrence and Vainant, and we were talking about things of the Lord and talked about this subject, about, about how we're born again, you and I, but, but yet we, having been saved, we are still being saved. And so God has the same, the same look at over our lives, I believe. If we're honest, and he says, he says, but I've called you to so much more. You're born again. You, you, you're alive to me, but we continually still have to put to death those other, the flesh that still rises in us. And so even in, for those that are in Christ, God's patience is shown every day to you and I. Look at Hebrews 6 verse 1. What does that say about us who are already in Christ? Says Paul says that we are to leave the elementary teachings about Christ and to go on to maturity. Those are in Christ. And it's a process. We're to leave those things that we started with and we're to go on to maturity. We, we have to develop and mature and, 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 and be open to what God wants to do in, in us. The most, one of the most beautiful passage of scripture that I love and always hang on to is that in, in, in Philippians 1 verse 6, which is the same thing for me, Paul said, speaking of the, of the Philippian church, he said, I, I'm confident in you, the Philippians, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Why am I, why am I referring to those scriptures? Because you and I, although we're born again, are in a process of maturing. God has begun a work in us, and he's bringing it on to completion. He completes it one step at a time, and God is happy with that process. It's his design for us to produce the finished product of a, of a mature faith. God walks that thing with us. It's a process, and that shows, again, God's patience over you and I, who so often have, have no deep conviction to lay hold of what he's doing, and to ask him, Lord, more, more of you. To, to bring those things that we're not doing well before him and say, Lord, forgive me so that I can grow. And all the while, God watches over you and I with patience as we're in that process of what's called sanctification. 
Isn't that beautiful? God's patience is beautiful. So what do we do? Can I ask, I would suggest that we should at this time just be stirred to be so grateful to God and to maybe make a commitment even now as, as, as we hear this. Lord, forgive me for taking your patience so lightly. I'm aware of your patience. Let me not use that as license to not get serious with you. You've given me patience, Lord, but, but you're still calling me to walk in deeper with you. Let's not use his patience as an excuse for not surrendering more and more to our Lord and God. My friends, just maybe just to shift track a bit. Often I think when people see the, 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 the patience of God in the world, including ourselves sometimes, we might say, but where is God? Why, why, why is he not coming? Why is he not here? David wrote about that or expressed that often in the Psalms. And in Psalm 73, in verse 3, we read, for example, that God, that David said when he saw all the arrogance in the world and he saw the sin in the world and he saw how, how, how even the wicked seemed to just be okay. They prospered, actually. And, and, and they seemed to be doing fine. And all this evil was around and God was not around. Where, where is God? It said that he was, it oppressed him. David said, it was oppressive to me. When I looked around me and I saw the world, all the things happening, the wickedness, it was oppressive to me because why would that be? Where is God in all of this? And he expressed that in many Psalms. And it says, until he saw, until he went into the sanctuary, it says, and he saw and understood the final destiny of the wicked, then he understood, and, 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 and that, that, that oppression was lifted from him. Often in the world, when we don't see God's hand, we might, we might misunderstand God's patience. The world often does, and they might say, well, he's not around, God's, God's not here, and they misunderstand that to mean that God is apathetic, There's an ap that God doesn't care. He doesn't care what's going on in the world. I don't know how you feel about our world at the moment. I don't know how you feel about our world. I don't know if you feel that in some ways and say, but how bad can it get? You know, things are just crumbling all over. Where are you, God? It's not that God is apathetic, that God does not understand. On the contrary, and again, when I read from Romans 2, verse 1, it says that God is a God of judgment. And, it, and it's true, he will judge, as David found out, he will judge the, 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 the evil of man. He's not forgotten, he's not apathetic. He's not. Isaiah 30 verse 18 expresses this. It says, you, it says, yes, the Lord, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. There's the first part. He rises to show you compassion. Then it says, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. That patience thing. But God is not apathetic. He will have his time when he brings judgment. And we all of us give account for the evil that's in the world. He's not apathetic to our situation. He's also not weak. It's not because our God is weak that he doesn't act. And I'm going through these quickly, but in the prophet Nahum, it says in, verse, in, in chapter 1 and verse 3, that the Lord is slow to anger. There it comes again. But it says, and great in power, he will not leave the guilty unpunished. Our God is not weak. Don't misunderstand his patience with us and looking as if he's not involved as even also an absence. You know, we talk about absent fathers, sadly. 
It's so, many, so many in our lives, in, often in our situations and families, there's an absent father, a father, the father that's not there. God is not that father. It's not because he's absent. I'm not going to read it because it's so long, but you know, and I know, remind you of Psalm 139, which is the most incredible psalm. It says not that God is not absent. He knows every single thing about you and I individually, not just of mankind in general, but every one of you sitting here. He knows when you get up in the morning. He knows when you sit down. He knows every thought you think. That's our God. Our God is not absent. Don't ever think our God is absent. He knows everything about every individual, Psalm 139 says. So let's not misunderstand the fact that God is, not, is seemingly not always in the midst of our, of our world. I'm going to look, I'm going to look um, also at what it means in us to have patience. But before they, I do that, I want to talk about God's time and our time. I so love preparing this, and it, it, it's something that I could talk on for a while, but I'll try and be, just summarize it because I think it's so important in understanding what, when God's patience and how we should be patient. There's chronos time, which is our time. You know, it's, it's measurable, it's, it's quantitative, it's a bit difficult to, to grasp perhaps, so I hope, it, I hope I can express this well. That's our time, that's quantitative that's, that's measurable. In other words, seconds, minutes, hours, days, months, years, decades, centuries. It's measurable. It's our time, the way you and I understand time. But then there's kairos time, which is God's time. And it's not the same time. It's not the same concept. Because God is out of time. He's not, he doesn't operate the way we do in terms of hours and seconds and minutes and days and years, and even generations. He's outside of time. It's what's called kairos time. So God, in other words, he stands outside of time. He looked at the beginning of time and understood already at the beginning everything that was going to happen in our chronos time. Sorry, our time is chronos time. He's able to look into that chronos time and know already in advance everything that's going to happen. Because he's not in our time. And kairos time, there's a quote that from a guy called um, Joseph with an unpronounceable surname like Chuck and Neil Earl. He said kairos refers to selected periods of divine determination. So God, God's he, in, he determines certain periods, and it operates within our time, our profane human time, but mainly as the focus of the fulfillment of God's ultimate purposes. In other words, there's our timeline, and then there's God's intersecting that timeline with his kairos time. So in nutshell, try and grasp this. In his, in his sovereign kairos time, his time, which stands above our time, he interacts and enters into Kronos time according to his perfect will, to fulfill his purposes at that time according to his will, not our time. Does that not perhaps explain why, does it not explain, perhaps explain why Lazarus, in, the, in that account of Lazarus dying and Jesus taking, what did he take, two or three days to arrive, four days to arrive, and, 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 and his disciples said, but Lord, why did you not come? If you'd come earlier, he wouldn't have died. Because he's not bound by Kronos time. He'll come in his Kairos moment. 
and intervene into history. Perhaps that's why we can't say when the Lord is coming. Because there's no, he's not coming in 2027. Because that's trying to define it in terms of our chronos time. God will come at his perfect timing in terms of his kairos time. Does it make some sense? Great, thank you. I didn't think I'd be able to explain that. How many of you can give, have testimony of God rocking up, coming into your situation just at the perfect time? That's his kairos time. Not when we thought he would come or wanted him to come. And then while we wait for his kairos time, we wait for his kairos time with patience, patience. So let's look. Let's look at some, some patience applicable to our lives. First of all, if God is so patient in such a significant thing that he is so patient, surely we left here on earth, you and I, to be more like Christ. That's why we're here, to be more Christ-like. So we should be hungering for that, to be more Christ-like, and that includes being patient as our Lord is. It's the fruit of the Spirit. If we are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in us. And the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. Therefore, you and I should be displaying and, and that, that fruit in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit. James 1, and I'm going to go through this very quickly. You know the scripture but in James 1, verse 3 to 4. about It says, consider it pure joy, my, my, my brothers, when you... When you, when you Face trials because the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work. But that's a process as well. That you're in this testing and it needs patience to remain in that testing. We need patience because what's going to happen, we're going to get the, the, what's going to produce in us is our faith will be tested. And that's a good thing. When, you, when our faith is tested, it builds our faith. So hang in there because to test our faith is a good thing. It's good to build our faith in that way. It's the very, very definition of faith, I think, this thing of patience. That's how important it is that we have it. What is faith in, in Hebrews 11 verse 1? It's the substance of things hoped for. We're still hoping for them. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. So if things are not yet seen... We still have to be waiting for them, and that's what faith is. Can you see how patience comes into that? Because it's not yet seen. If we don't have patience, we miss the very thing, the essence and definition of what faith is. We have to know this thing of patience and walk in it. Patience produces peace. Again, Psalm 37 verse 7, again, a similar psalm where David is also waiting on the Lord and seeing all the wickedness of men. And Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. And in this psalm, he continually says, do not fret. In other words, do not be anxious. But the way that, you, that, we, that, we, that we refrain or, or get, get around being anxious is be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And in that way, all the things that you and I find so distasteful and challenging in the world will fade. When we sit patiently before our God, the fruit of that is peace. 
Because we take our mind off all of the stuff happening around us. We come before God, impatiently waiting for Him. You and I will find peace, God's peace, only in that way. I'm nearly, nearly finished. 1 Peter 5, 6 talks about humbling yourself under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. Kairos time. Kairos time. Humble yourself that he may lift you up in due time, Kairos time. But there's a process again. You've got to wait. It will happen in due time. You will be lifted up. Maybe that talks of promotion, being lifted up. Not necessarily in your work, but just feeling God is moving you on, moving you forward. Promotion comes when we're patient before God. Produces fruit. I'm not going to go into too much. James 5, 7 uses the analogy of it says, be patient then, dear brothers, until the Lord's coming. And he uses the analogy of a farmer who sows and waits for the rain. What are you sowing into? Could be that you're praying for somebody a lot. You're sowing into their lives and you're not seeing the fruit. Like a farmer, wait patiently and you will receive the valuable crop. But we need patience. It's a product of our patience. And then lastly, as I end off, this series is about gifting forward. So we've received so much patience from God. There's so much, so much, so much in the scripture that, that draws us to walk in the same patience. But what about our patience to others? How do we gift that patience that we have to others? There's a lot said in the word about putting out on humility and compassion, and often it says patience. I'm going to just refer to one verse. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.14. It says, I urge you, brothers, warn the idle, encourage the timid, beautiful, help the weak, be patient with everyone. So God calls us to walk those kind of lives. One, because we, we, we then are showing God's character to others. The patience that God has, we show to others. Be patient with everyone. Can you imagine that I believe the difference we would make in a world that doesn't respect patience because it's all about fast living and, and myself in a world that can be quite critical. Do you agree? People can be critical because we're so opinionated. And I think when we're impatient, when I'm impatient, you know that saying that says, I, I, don't, I don't suffer fools gladly. You know, I don't suffer fools gladly. If there's a fool there, I get impatient with him. Why do we do that? Because we're superior. I look down on that person and I think, but I don't, you know, I don't suffer you easily. You're just, you're getting on my nerves. It's out of a sense of not being humble. It's out of a sense of pride that we would even think that about somebody else. So God calls us in that kind of world with opinions and a lot of criticism to actually reflect patience. To be patient to everybody. And as I end off, I was thinking, what about you being that person that causes others to be impatient? <laughs> I didn't find any scriptures on that. But I think there's something that says, like, for example, parents don't exasperate your children. So I guess maybe the closest is do unto others as you'd have them do unto yourself. There was a guy, by the way, end off. His name was Jehu. You find him in 2 Kings Chapter, I think it's nine. And they won the battlefield, the Israelites, and there was a big battle going on, and they looked across the plains, and they saw a guy called Jehu. 
in his chariot. They said, hey, that's Jehu, because he drives like a maniac. That's him, I can see. <laughs> Don't drive like maniacs, because I find it hard to be patient in the church. <laughs> I hope that's just challenged you this morning, just to, just, to, just to think of the place of patience. Is it important, or is it an old-fashioned thing? How much we can be a blessing to others in a world where there's no patience. You and I can reflect Christ beautifully if we allow him to develop this issue of patience in our lives. Amen. Can I just pray pray for us? Just a quick prayer, if I may. Lord, I want to thank you, Father, that everything, Lord God, in your word, Lord God, is, is applicable, is applicable to the way we live our lives. It may not always seem that. And so, Lord, I just pray right now for myself. I ask you, Lord, that long after this, this morning, where it comes to actually putting into practice this issue of patience, Holy Spirit, may we hear your voice when you speak to us in those circumstances. Help us to be a blessing that, would we, that with, with which we've been blessed, may we be a blessing to others. And Lord, may we also, Lord, use, this, use your, your character, Lord God, the patience that you show us to bless our world and to bless those around us. I thank you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Thank you so much, Terry. I definitely can apply a lot of that in my life. I always say if I could be a... Yeah, yeah, give him a hand. Here we go. <laughs> Let me give you a dad joke. If I had patience, I'd be a doctor. <laughs> uh, ha, ha, ha. Shalon, here's your one joke for a Sunday morning. <laughs> awesome, guys. So good to have you guys this morning. Thank you so much for coming out. Visitors, please make use of your cappuccino voucher. We want to harass you in the coffee area. So you can yeah, just grab a free cappuccino. Yeah, stick around in fellowship, guys. Thank you for coming out. Have a great week. Hey guys, don't forget Theology at Could be.